Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Haxon and I'm here talking all things Salford Sport. I'm joined by Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, certainly I'm Rob. Yeah, should be another good show. There's plenty been going on, hasn't there? So, uh, so yeah, looking forward to having a chat with you about it. Yeah, so what we'll do, we'll start with a football, Paul, and Declan Rice. He is officially signed for Arsenal for £105 million. He's been transferred from West Ham. He's an England international, but £105 million is an outrageous amount of money. Yeah, that's uh, that's mega money, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, I don't really know the, the going rate for footballers these days, Rob, but um, that does seem uh, an extortionate amount of money. Um, you'll be able to tell me if he's worth it or not, but um, but yeah, a, a big, a big, uh, a big fee certainly. Yeah, I think he's he's one of the best midfielders of the country, uh, but I still think football prices are overinflated. I think is because he's obviously English and playing in the Premier League, that has an added value to his sum as well. And it's pressure on him now as well because he's moving to Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal finished second behind City in the last season in the Premier League. But was that just a one-off season? People talk about the top teams are like Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, all improving, all wanting to come again. You're wondering if Arsenal can reproduce that form of last season and go one better with Rice in the team. Yeah, well, they've got to do. I think the pressure's on Arsenal now, isn't it? You know, people are going to expect it. Supporters are going to expect it because you know last season they were they were leading the the, the Premier League for quite a long time, wasn't they? And, and fell away towards the back end of the season, really. So you know, expectations were, were raised there, weren't they? And you know, people at Arsenal, they're you know, big clubs, spend a lot of money, and people will be expecting them to. To, to be challenging Manchester City again this season now and when you're making signings like that they're sort of statement signings aren't they and, and, and signings that people are going to you know really look at and, and expect you to do well so uh, yeah they, there's a bit of pressure on them now Big pressure and obviously with the world of football the way it is uh, Paul they, they've got to reach continue to reach the high levels don't they because obviously now they're going to be in Champions League they're going to have a tag on the back in the sort of the Premier League people will expect them to, to come perform every week so it will be just interesting to see obviously Declan Rice has played for England internationally I've played in big competitions but to do it week in week out at Arsenal is a different challenge than what he's used to doing at West Ham who with uh, you know with all said and done and a top top Premier League team yeah, that's it. There'll be a lot more pressure on you at Arsenal, won't you? In a, you know, disrespect to West Ham, but you're probably in a bigger, a bigger pond, really, aren't you? There, in front of a lot more supporters, and you know, there's a big reputation there at Arsenal. You know, they've won, they've won trophies before, haven't they? In, in recent history, you know, run Premier Leagues, you know, done well in Europe, and you know, no disrespect to West Ham, it's been a long time since they've. You know, won a championship, isn't it? So uh, I know they won in Europe this season, but you go into to to one of the elite now, aren't you, in, in English football? And, and they're going to have a lot of pressure on them as well because you know Manchester City have seen it when they've they've, they've battled on the four fronts. You know, you're playing the, the Champions League as well, which is a very demanding competition. So there's going to be a lot of games, isn't there? And you know, it's he's going to have to you know put a marker down to get in that Arsenal side as well and stay in there because there's some good players around him. So uh, a lot of pressure on on Arsenal and, and with big fees and that as well, people. Like expect don't they and the spotlight comes on you and then it's up to you to get off to a good start isn't it because if you don't the the press and the supporters and everybody seems to hound you then don't you so he needs to get a good start in the national shirt mm. and what about West Ham obviously David Moyes the coach there 
lost his star player. He's got £105 million in the bank to spend. Now people will know he has that money to spend. So unfortunately, he's in a position where he'll go to players and go to agents, um, but the last top dollar because they know they've got the money. That's right. Yeah, when people know you've got that money, the prices get inflated. Then don't they? And um, you know they sort of see you coming, don't they? So any targets he's after, that you can add, you know, a couple of million onto that now, can't you? So, um, so yeah, it's going to be difficult for a side like West Ham to attract players as well, isn't it? Because players, you know, tend to want to go where they guaranteed Champions League football and things like that. That's where the best of the best go, don't they? So, be difficult for West Ham. It's all right having all that money, but you've got to have targets and players to go for, haven't you? So, uh, I'm sure David Moyes will. He'll, he'll do the business, you know. He's a very, very good football coach, very good man manager. He knows the leagues inside out, and I think no matter who he, he's in charge of, he he do a good job because he's a very honest manager, and he seems to get players playing, you know, players playing for him and players wanting to run through a brick wall for him. So I'm sure that West Ham will be a, a solid team this season. Yeah, talk about West Ham. West Ham. West Ham. Aston Villa and Burnley have all announced, sort of unveiled their kits and they're all virtually the same. I know obviously they're all similar colours, but you think they'd have slight sort of dividend sort of change on each one when they play each other. Referees are going to have a bit of a problem, I think. Oh, don't they play in an away kit when they play? Sometimes, other? yeah, most of the time they do, but just when you're looking at them, all, all three, I think it's yeah. probably more about, you know, we talk about uh, football shirts and selling merchandise. I think all three clubs have said what we'll do. We'll, we'll go for our traditional colours. But when yeah. all three go for the traditional colours, it's not our unique, is it? Well, I suppose, I suppose if you go back to the sixties and the seventies, I mean, Manchester United, Liverpool, they mm. they all played in the in red, didn't they? So and Arsenal as well. They're all pretty similar, weren't they? So uh, I know red and white for Arsenal and United a bit of black sometimes, didn't they? And what have you? But going back to those days, you played in colours, didn't you? And that was it. There was no sponsor on it. It was just a, a coloured shirt, wasn't it? So uh, they've always been pretty similar back then. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I think tradition's the way to go, Rob. I think. It's the same in rugby league, isn't it? Every time you bring a traditional shirt out, the supporters seem to love it, don't they? And teams don't. They seem to go away from that and bring out these random shirts and people sort of think, well, what's so keen on them? But they seem to do it anyway. But I think you can't go wrong with a bit of tradition. And um, I, th- I think the purists and the supporters love that. Yeah, I suppose that's what we want. We want it to be you know, traditional enough for people to think, oh, that's nice, I'll buy it, but not that off the wall that people think, what I'm buying that for? It looks like a luminous light switch. Yeah, and and it always baffles me the way the way cl- clubs, you know, whether it be football or rugby league, do that. They always seem to people don't seem to get what they want, do they? They just design something that nobody really likes, and then uh, and then put it out. So, uh, but people still buy it, nevertheless, don't they? I mean, I think you could you remember that um, shirt that Coventry City had years ago it was like a chocolate brown colour. Oh yeah, and nobody liked that, but I think you know they, they still played it, didn't they? So, I mean, now if you've got one of those, it's probably worth a fortune, isn't it? It's like um, a collector's item, so uh, just the retro value of it. So, so yeah, I mean, I can think of a few stinker rugby league shirts. Or they I mean Salford have had a few, few yeah, away shirts in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah, they have. This is true, but obviously, like you say, it's a merchandise in it for the for the clubs. They they like to to use that as a, an in, an income, don't they? So they sometimes I bet they do think, well, people will buy it. Yeah, people will buy it just for the for the naff value, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about people wanting to buy people. Um, Harry Maguire um, has has had the Manchester United captain ship taken off him by Hentag. 
Um, Harry Aguirre isn't very happy about that. He's, he's come out on Twitter to say he supports next uh, Manchester United captain um, and he's fully behind him, but he's not very happy. No, and I thought there was rumours about him leaving, um, leaving the club and, and moving on. Is that not going to happen now? Is he is he going to be at United for next year, or, or is there a chance he could he could be transferred during the in the summer? Mm, the rumour is that he's going to West Ham because they've got hundred million pounds sat in there waiting for someone to mm. be uh, spent on. But for me, is Harry Maguire wanting to go down to the likes of West Ham because Manchester United is on. 200,000 a week around that kind of area. Uh, West Ham, you know, won't be able to afford his wages, which means a, a drop in wages for Harry Maguire. And then obviously everything else that leads off the back of that. And with the way football is and the way life is as well, um, you know, he will want to be able to continue to live the standard of life he lives at with his 200 grand he has at Manchester United. So it will be interesting to see what happens if West Ham can, um, you know, Prize him away from Old Trafford with a with a good deal. Yeah, well, perhaps you could read too much into that and say perhaps that's why they've taken the captaincy off him because he's going to be on his way. Um, do they know more than what they're letting on? That sometimes happens in football, doesn't it? But like you said, if a team wants to take somebody who's under contract, yeah, and you you know you want that player to go and that player to be happy, they'll have to stump up some money, won't they? And, and like you said, he's he's not going to drop off the wages on for something that's not as good, is it? I mean, no football player is going to do that, are they? So, uh, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But, no, an interesting story with him losing the captaincy. I'm not too sure what's behind that, but uh, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, it's a thing about all footballers, really. They're on a certain amount of wage, and even if a club comes in and they offer them less money, usually because the way the, the, the contract's, you know... Is built. They just can just sit for the next however long until the until the you know contract runs out. They still go training. They still do media stuff, uh, you know, to make sure that they cover their bases. But it's more and more footballers for me, uh, Paul, that that are thinking, you know, financially and beyond their football career. Yeah, yeah, it makes you wonder sometimes, doesn't it? They earn that much money. You think, why would they have to worry about like life after the career? Because they've earned more sort of a month and what most of us earn in a lifetime mm. so so it does it does baffle me sometimes how much people must spend you know when you think about what they spend what what we spend the month as sort of you know just just doing our jobs and that i mean they're probably spending in a day what, what we spend <laughs> in a month it's it, it's crazy money really isn't it and you know perhaps i i don't always agree with it i mean some people say oh they're entertainers and they do this that and the other but is it right? But and then the other side of the coin is well, you've got to pay them that much money because if you don't, someone else will. So, so if you want the best players, you, you've got to, it's probably people at like United or, or City who are in charge probably think he doesn't deserve that amount of money, he's not worth that much money, but we've got to pay him that because otherwise mm. A, B, or C will take him. So, and we want our team to be stronger than theirs. So, the, the it's Hobson's choice, really, I suppose, isn't it? It is difficult choices for everybody. Talk about choices. Uh, Bruno Fernandes was the United captain, um, in the on-field captain of when Hamrega wasn't playing. Do you think he will be Manchester United captain um, from now on? He's probably a strong candidate, Rob, isn't he? Um, you know, he's an experienced player and you know quite a vocal leader on the pitch as well. So you can imagine he he'd probably slot into that. And and Ten Hag's probably he's probably here, Matt, who he wants to be the captain. So I would say he's a strong front runner for it. 
yeah. Obviously, being a Manchester United captain, uh, Paul, he's a special kind of character, and it it'll be a big choice, won't it, for Hat Tag to pick the right man to take the club forward. Yes, yeah, it's a big decision. It's a big decision, and you know, it's one there's a lot riding on it as well. You know, supporters expect, don't they? And um, you know, as ever as a captain, there's been some fantastic captains over the years at Old Trafford, hasn't there? So you you you're stepping into big shoes, aren't you? So it's a big decision for Ten Hag to make, and whoever gets the job has, has got a lot to live up to as well. Talk about transfer rumours. Bayern Munich's honorary president, Yuli Holiness. Um, he's confident they can sign England captain Harry Kane. Um, they put a bid in for £70 million, uh, reportedly to uh, Tottenham. Um, Harry Kane, you know, fantastic uh, player for Spurs, scored 30 goals last season in the Premier League, only has 12 months left on his contract. So it'll be interesting to see what happens you know, at Spurs with him. Yeah, that's right. And he's not getting any younger either, is he? Kane, so I think he's probably got one more move in him, hasn't he? You know, regarding you know his career, one more big move in his career, and be interesting to see where where he goes to after that. But there's been talk about City United over the last twelve eighteen months, hasn't? It? Well, that's not materialised. So you know, I think there was a big talk about him going to Fulham, wasn't there, in this uh, mm. this transfer window? Is the best move for Harry Kane? Abroad to Bayern Munich, or is the best move for him to stay in this country and go to one of the top clubs? Uh, you know, personally speaking, it's a difficult one. If he signs for some one of the top clubs, say he signs for City or United or Liverpool, or it's, it's a tough one because he, he signs for Liverpool. Is it a sideways move from Tottenham? You know, Liverpool are not winning loads of trophies, are they? Uh, and neither are Tottenham. So I think. If you're going to sign for somebody, you're probably looking at Manchester City, aren't you? If you're going to win trophies or Manchester United is a bit of a dark horse coming back on the rails, I think that could be a good move for him. Um, I, I don't know whether going abroad would be what he'd want to do. I suppose it depends on his family. If he's got a young family and he wants to stay over here, I, I don't think you could look past the uh, move to City or United. I think that'd be a great move for him, to be honest with you. But we'll have to see whether he's settled down in London and he wants to stay down there or he wants to move abroad. It will be very interesting, obviously. Being England captain as well must be a, a sort of a factor in that. Um, and obviously he wants to win trophies. And at Tottenham, he's not had that opportunity. Uh, moving to the likes of Man City, you know, he's got Ireland in front of him. Liverpool, you know, had a team in and out. Arsenal have already signed Jesus, so they're not looking. Manchester United probably would be the ideal uh, target to come to. But are Man United ready to win a Premier League trophy? I don't think so. But could they do with somebody like Harry Kane? Oh yeah, so he's a guy. He's a guy who scores lots of goals, and you're probably talking at least twenty goals a season out of him. And you know, when you think back over the years, players that they brought in, the likes of Van Nistelrooy and people like that, who've been proven goal scorers, and and you've gone on and, and built a team round players like that, haven't you? And you know, could he be one of the missing pieces of the jigsaw? It could be. I mean, it might not be, but I think you, you, you can't go wrong with someone like him in the team. And he's a Manchester United sort of player, really, isn't he? He's, you know, he's, I wouldn't say a poster boy, but he's a very, very marketable player, isn't he? And you can see the, the United supporters taking to him, and you can see his name on the backs of millions and millions of shirts all around the world, can't you? So he's that sort of player. So I think it'd be a good move for him. Yeah, well, it looks to me like he could be on his way to Germany, which is another error for Man, you know, by Manchester United for me, because obviously, like you said, the only 
problem with Man United have. They've got uh, they're in the market for the uh, for the goaler Tuna. So you know if he manages does does come to Old Trafford, um, you know the, the other problem was your your centre forward and nothing has been arranged with that yet. So Hentag will probably be working overtime behind the scenes trying to get someone in. Yeah, that's right. And and you've got to hurry up, haven't you? You know, these decisions have got to be made. And, you know, before you know it, the season will be around the corner. You want to be the season on the front foot, don't you, really? You don't want to be behind other teams. And the transfer window will close as well, won't it? Then you miss your opportunity. So, uh, so yeah, they need to, to strike while the iron's hot, um, if you like. Yeah. Uh, other bits of news. Lionel Messi has signed for Inter Miami, which is uh, David Beckham's uh, American uh, team. Um, you know, how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, that's a strange signing, really, isn't it? I don't, I don't know that you tend to get a lot of this, don't you? These like really elite world players, like some Ronaldo, and Messi, and they seem to go and you know end their careers at, in these like circus clubs, really, don't they? And I don't know, it, it doesn't always sit right with me because it's just, it's just a big money making business, isn't it? That sort of thing, really. So I don't know. I, I like to, I'd like to see someone like Messi, you know, go back to his roots, really, and you know back to you know where he's from and put something back in there that's what players used to do didn't they so uh, but I suppose it's it's a money making market now isn't it and these players are very very mar- marketable and they'll, they'll go where that they'll follow that sort of uh, dollar won't they or, or whatever yeah I think obviously America have tried to build football or soccer they like to call it in their country for sort of decades now aren't they and it is better than Lionel Messi in, like I say, the end of his fabulous career. We can't we can't say any less than that. He's, he's been amazing. Obviously, we're Ronaldo, the two top best players in the world, one in America, um, and you know, is it really going to promote the, the real uh, positives of that American league? Where does the next generation of Americans come if Lionel Messi's blocking away into the team? Yeah, that's another side of the coin, isn't it? You know, if you've got players like that, it, it does stop the. It keeps other people out of the team, doesn't it? So uh, doesn't always work like that. But you know, signing somebody like Messi is going to do your, your club the world of good. It's going to generate a lot of interest, isn't it? He's absolutely box office, isn't he? So it can work both ways, can't it? Really, but uh, but yeah, I don't know whether it's the the right thing for for a team like that to do. You know, you've got to got to grow your own side, haven't you? And you know, is is Lionel Messi sort of yesterday's man? I'm I'm not too sure. He's still probably a quality player, isn't he? But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's another strange one. Yeah, final bit of uh, football news: the Women's World Cup starts uh, this week. England will play Haiti on Saturday. Uh, Paul, obviously, England are you know champions, uh, played very well last few uh, years, uh, and should have no problem disposing of Haiti. Well, you hope so. Wouldn't you you'd hope so? You say that, but you never know with football there and sport. You've got to beat the opposition which is in front here, but it should be you know. A victory, but you've got to approach everything as professional as you can, can't you? Because you want to get the result and then build on it. So you don't want to go into any game sort of half-hearted. So I'm sure they'll be going out all guns blazing to get that that result early doors. Yeah, Spain, uh, USA, France, and England are the top four. Um, we are in contention, and that's that's got to be a good thing. You know, obviously, with these top teams, uh, women's football has improved beyond uh, recognition over the last sort of five, ten years. So to be competing uh, at the top in the World Cup uh, shows off how we've come. 
Yeah, that's right. But he's not played on paper. Oh, you know, you can say all this about you know who's tipped for this and who's tipped for that. You've got to go and do the business, haven't you? And we've all seen before in competitions where teams have been tipped to do it and do well, and, and they've they fell at the group stages or. You know, you've gone out first round or whatever. So you, you know, don't read anything into that. You've got to go and play your own game, work hard, and and get the results and the elite rewards on the back of that. Yeah. So next up on the sports zone, we've got an interview that James Sweetland did ahead of the FC uh, UFC London. He spoke to Tom Aspinall, uh, getting his thoughts on the fight, his favourite drinks, and wild nights out. Enjoy. Well, I'm delighted to be here with Tom Aspinall, and you've got a massive fight coming up at UFC London. We're here today at Wigan Warriors, and you've got a right tasty setup here. It's nice, isn't it, mate? It's very nice. We use it like once a week. We've been using it once a week now for about a year or so. And you know what's best about it is the, the quality of the cage. Like, I've no idea why. I've never actually asked. I've never questioned why they've got such a good cage. But usually in gyms, the cages are like, it's like being on this floor. Do you know what I mean? There's no spring in it. It's rock hard. The fence wall hurts a lot of the time. This one's perfect. It's exactly like just a smaller version of the UFC Octagon. So perfect for us. In that UFC octagon, you're going to be in there next week. You've got a very tough fight against Ty Bora. How do you feel about him as an opponent? Have you got a prediction for this one? Um, first of all, he is probably the guy that I've had the most personal relationship with. I like him a lot as a person. We're actually pretty friendly. Uh, but that's pretty irrelevant next week because he is in my way, unfortunately. And if it's going to be me or him, unfortunately, it's going to have to be him. So uh, my prediction is I'm going to knock him out. I don't know what round it's going to be in. I've got 25 minutes to do it, but to avoid my power and timing for 25 minutes is going to be difficult for anybody, especially for him. So, yeah, it's going to be a knockout. It's interesting you say that. Obviously, you're part of this new breed of heavyweights that's coming through. We've had so many specialists over the years, and you're really blending the martial arts. Very quick striking, very good on the mat. Is he part of that older generation, do you think? Are you a bit more advanced than he is? Uh, I think technically I'm more advanced, but he's had a lot more fights than me. Um... I wouldn't say he's from an old, like, he's not like someone like Arlovsky, for example, who's still around. Um, they are from, like, a, a different generation, but I think he's only been in the UFC a couple of years longer than me, so he's still pretty uh, new. He's not too old. He's, like, mid to late 30s, so he's not massively old for a heavyweight, and I think it's going to be a good fight, mate. Looking forward to it. It's obviously going to be difficult. You say your mate. What's it like getting in there with somebody who you've got such good friendship with, and you have to actually try and knock him out? It's just a sport for me, mate. It's just a sport. Um, if it's going to be me or him who gets hurt, it's going to have to be him. Simple as that. Like He's, he's going to try, be trying to hurt me for that 25 minutes, and I don't really want to get hurt. I want to, If it comes down to me or him, it's got to be him. Simple as that. And the fight you had, the last one, the one that you won at the O2 Arena in London, the fans loved you, everybody went berserk, and then there was the Curtis Blades matchup. That was somewhat robbed from you. How's it been recovering from that? Has there been some dark days along the road? Uh, yeah, there definitely has. It's not easy for like an active guy who's out and about doing stuff constantly to not be able to walk. That's that was the toughest bit. Like as soon as I could get up, mate, and moving, start walking around a little bit, get on the crutches and, and go to physio and do all that kind of stuff. It, I was alright mentally, but sitting there for like six weeks with a big swollen knee that's just been cut open, unable to walk, that was tough for me. But um it's all in the past, mate. I've learned from it, and I feel like I'm a lot stronger now. I feel like it's been really, really good for me mentally to take a break, and I feel like I needed some adversity in my career to make me appreciate everything, and I can't wait to get in there now. And the crowd are obviously going to be buzzing for you. They're going to be a few pints deep. I bet you're hoping to get this one out of the way and get on the pizza, get on the beers, and just celebrate a big win. Oh, it's got to be done, mate. Every time. I've not had a beer for 
coming up to four months, not even one beer, which is, anyone who knows me knows that's a long time. I usually drink even when I'm training, so I've been super strict this time. My diet's been good and everything, so you know what, though? I don't even miss it, you know, but pretty sure that I'll still be drinking on uh, next Saturday, definitely. Have you got a drink of choice that you think you're going to be using? I like rum, you know. I quite like rum, yeah. Especially in the summer. In the summertime, yeah, I like a good rum, yeah. It's funny, actually, I was speaking to a mate of yours yesterday, Phil DeFries, the KSW champion, and such a juxtaposition between the pair of you. You're saying that, you know, you've been really, really strict with your diet, you've stood by it, and he's been telling me that he's been eating pizza and beers all weekend, so it's a bit of a change there. Well, Phil's not lying. Phil, actually, that is actually the way he lives. It's the most bizarre thing that I've ever seen from an athlete, but it works for him. So, he's, you know, he's, he's gone like something like 15 fights unbeaten, which is near enough unheard of at heavyweight. So whatever he's doing is definitely working for him. It wouldn't work for me, but mate, he's on like the beers every weekend. He's literally having two or three takeaways a weekend. The guy is unreal, but he's performing. So I can't be sitting here and saying it's wrong so fair play to him and hopefully obviously with you two having fights back-to-back weekends he can defend his belt you can move a step closer to the UFC belt you can get in the room and he can have his beer together that'd be excellent and Phil is also fighting um Tibor's teammate as well so and Phil's doing my corner as well so this is an important one for me personally I, I usually do Phil's corner but with it being so close to my fight I didn't want to didn't want to do the travel and all that kind of stuff so I just um yeah, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to Phil going in there, getting the win, and then me getting the win, and then we can celebrate together. That'll be amazing. And then looking ahead to future fights, we've just had a massive announcement. John Jones, Stipe Miocic, the good guy versus the bad guy. This is a great one. I imagine you're targeting the winner of that. I mean, if you're not shooting for the heavyweight title, like if you're a heavyweight in the UFC and you're not looking at the heavyweight champion and thinking, that's what I want to go for, then what are you doing? In my opinion, like I'm always looking at the champion and thinking, you know, trying to pick holes in what they're doing and trying to think how I could navigate my way around their style and vice versa. So, yeah, of course, I, I'm, I'm desperate to fight one of them too. That'd be amazing. And do you have a prediction for who wins that one? It's a tough one, isn't it? I think I, it's really difficult because we've not seen much of John Jones at heavyweight. We've seen him for two minutes. Uh, and then we've not seen Stipe for like two years. So it's very... It's an, it's an odd fight. It's definitely an odd fight, but I think if I had to bet on it, I would say John Jones just edges it. But I don't know. You never know. And then we've got another one in the world of boxing this time. Francis Ngannou, he terrorised the heavyweight division. He's now fighting Tyson Fury, somebody you know quite well. What do you make of this for the state of the heavyweight division? Uh, it's definitely interesting, and I think that as far as I'm aware, Ngannou has the highest punch power ever it's like on record because they, they um, record it all at the PI and apparently Deontay Wilder's been there and um, Francis Ngannou's punching power is way superior I know that's just a machine but if you look at his fights he does knock everybody out who he hits so he's definitely got a puncher's chance but when it comes to actual skill Tyson Fury is like worlds apart from Francis Ngannou so would I be surprised if Ngannou knocked him down or I wouldn't be that surprised because of the power that he's got but most of the time Tyson Fury is going to absolutely school him most of the time 
Absolutely, and watching your footwork when you were training, you're so light on your feet, so quick, and you obviously did many rounds with Tyson in the gym. You trained extensively with Peter Fury, because I think at one stage you were actually pursuing a boxing career. What did you learn from Tyson, and are those little you know, nuances in your style, did they come from him? Uh, maybe. I've, I've worked with a lot of coaches, mate, a lot of sparring partners over the years. I try and learn stuff from everybody, but uh, Peter Fury especially taught me a lot. I think the guy is like an unsung hero of boxing. He doesn't go out there and do a million interviews and big himself up and stuff, but I think Peter Fury is one of the, the best coaches ever, that, from my experience at least. Like, I think he's brilliant, and he really understands the mentality as well as the technique of the fighters, which is great. And yeah, he was always telling me, like, be on the move, use your fakes and stuff, and, and keep them guessing, and that's something that has stuck with me even with MMA. It's not just... I don't use it in boxing. Like, I try and confuse my opponents constantly, and that's definitely something that comes from uh, Peter Fury and the Fury family, definitely. And the way UK MMA is growing at the moment, it's crazy. We have obviously got Leon Edwards, who's just won a title. Looking back a little bit, Michael Bisping, the pioneer, somebody who did so much. And I know that you've been on his podcast quite a few times. Have you met Bisping in person? Have you got any crazy stories of being around him? Because I know, like you, he loves a night out too. Yeah, well, Bisping's my good mate, so I've been around him a lot. Um, there's not many that I'm willing to say on camera. <laughs> but yeah, mate, Bisping loves a night out. That's all I'm going to say. Bisping... Even at his, his tender age of 42 or whatever he is, the guy, the guy keeps up, that's for sure, on the beers. So I need to go to the next level if I'm trying to go on a night out with him. The guy loves a beer. Absolutely. And now I'm doing something that's arguably even more scary than setting foot in the old arena, and that's taking a punch off you. I'm going to be sticking the body shield on in a minute. How are you thinking that's going to go? Uh, I don't think it'll go too well for you, to be honest. I think it'll be pretty painful. Uh, I'll take it easy on you, though. It won't be too bad. I think it'll be all right. I appreciate that, Tom. As long as I come out alive, I'll be happy. But thank you very much for talking to me today. It's really appreciated. But before we get into the gym, have you got anything else you'd like to add? Just breathe through it. You'll be all right. What advice to you? I'm just giving you advice. And yeah, just breathe. So when it hits you, take a knee and uh, breathe through it. You'll be all right. Good stuff. Thank you, mate. Thank you. So that was James talking to Tom Aspinall, uh, Paul, and it's mental that James actually got punched by Aspinall. The video is available on the Daily Star website. Um, have you seen it? And how well did James take it? I haven't seen it, actually, Rob. No, I didn't know about that, so I'll have a watch of that. Have you seen it? I've seen it, and he takes it very well. Aspinall, you can tell he's, he's, he's just playing with James. And the last one, he does sort of shimmy, ready to like to land one. And James sees it coming and just sort of, I won't say bottles it. I just think he, he takes a, he, he takes a step back just as he as he as he hits him. So because he knows what's coming, but I've got to put I've got to hold my hand up and say it was a, you know a, a great a defensive performance uh, by James that he and he where walks away. Punch, which is where does it land this punch? He landed on he like a, on his tummy. He had like a like a pad, uh, which the professional trainers wear where the where the boxers do like uh, yeah, body yeah. shots. So yeah. Uh, yeah, he had one of them on. So he just took like one step and and jabbed him in his stomach. Yeah, you need you need a good stomach for for boxing and, and combat sports, don't you? Your abs have got to be good to set those uh, yeah. set those shots. <laughs> yeah. just, what I was expecting with Jay's was like a sidestep and then just just sort of re reply with one on the on the temple and that and see how uh, James Aspinall, uh, no, Tom Aspinall, re you know, reacts to that. Yeah, that'd have been good, wouldn't it, if he took him out there, one of them. So yeah, enjoy very enjoyable interview.
uh, by, by James that and uh, good to see he can take a, a body shot as well so let's move on to the rugby league and so for the Devils Paul they were in action this weekend against Lee Leopards and went down to defeat 24 points to 22 talk us through it yeah beaten again for the second week running by a, by a penalty goal really Rob you know last week it was two penalties from Reese Martin and this, this week chucked away a, a 12 point lead disappointingly in the second half and then conceding a penalty goal in the, the closing stages to, to, to lose the game so so yeah I thought the, the players put an awful lot of effort in just as they did last week and for, for large parts of the game probably the better side but um, again silly penalties and and things like that gets in the way you know a bit of lack of game management and failing to sort of hang on to that lead and shut a game out has, has come back to bite us on, on the backside really and I think Lee you've got to give them a lot of credit they're a, they're a team playing full of confidence at the moment got some good clever players as well and, and they managed the game really well and and, and probably just about sneaked it really so disappointing for Solver though five defeats on the spin and you know two the last two at home as well have been disappointing games really you know games we should have won so um, yeah there's a danger of us slipping away from the top six now which is a bit alarming mm. Is ill discipline a problem Paul obviously last week uh, went down, down to defeat uh, with uh, a couple of late penalties uh, this week the same after being in a winning position yeah, it's either that or we're getting robbed every week by referees. So, <laughs> I mean, I would probably go with the with the, the previous one. I mean, I don't think referees, you know, go out there to rob teams of games. Um, I think they can misinterpretate things sometimes. But, you know, watching that game back, I think we had enough in that game to win it. We were 22 points to 10 up. So, we, we chucked it away with, with some silly penalties in that first half. They were on the back end of a massive penalty count. Uh, I thought Danny had to give away some daft penalties. Sometimes it was just lazy defence or, or poor contact, you know, sticking a lazy arm out and can't afford to do that. You know, Jack Armour got involved in one in the second half where he was trying to push... He's trying to punch down the player who's had hold of him, you know, to, to let his arm go. And I, you see that a lot in rugby league now, and it's it's a daft thing to do because you've got to be careful because you're going to give a penalty away doing that. And he seemed to sort of start, I don't know if he's throwing punches, but his arms were going there, and you, you could see it, and the referee could see it, and then you're going to get penalised for it. So you've got to be wiser, haven't you, in those sort of situations. And for me, Salford weren't last weekend's Leeds. They, they got caught out by a, by a wily sort of Leeds team, really, that played, you know... Played it to the knuckle, but we're, we're crafty about it, if you like. And you know, Lee today they, they took the chances and and hung hung in there and took the game. And it's all to be disappointed because they put an awful lot of effort in, as I said, this week and, and played well in patch. You know, Chris Atkin, what a stint he put in at, at loose forward. They played over sixty minutes, came back on as well near the end. But I guess a massive pack, and you know, there's some big performances there from certain players, but then other players aren't quite at at it at the moment so they're missing players and, and big big misses as well you know that's a shame right Oliver Partington Callum Watkins are out as well these are big hole out of your pack and unfortunately at the moment the pack we've got is not getting the best of the, of the opposition we're on a, a four I think it's four games uh, losing streak now Paul how do we turn the corner well it's five if you include the cup game mm. so in the league it's four so need a win Desperately need a win, and you look at the next two games at Salford. Have got Catalans away, which is going to be a real mission. I mean, you look at the heat wave in Europe at the moment; it's forty odd degrees there, all over spot Spain and France, and it. So whether it'll calm down by the time we go in a couple of weeks, I'm not sure. But still, going to be a massive, massive task going over there against them. They're top of the table, huge pack they've got. 
really pacey team. I watched them against St. Helens the other night and they, they won a real good game there. So that's going to be a real mission. Then you come backing it up the week after against St. Helens at home. Uh, then we've got some real tough games coming up. So I think the last eight games, apart from the Wakefield game, we're playing a lot of sides that, that are above us in the table now. So uh, we've got some tough away games coming. So we desperately need a win. You think if we could go to France and turn Catalans over, which is not impossible, if we could do that, then that lights the blue touch paper for the rest of the season. That's last season. Somebody just said to me on Twitter before that we are four points better off, I think, than we were this time last season. Mm. And look where we finished last season. So all's not lost. You know, we had a real great run towards the back end of last year. But I don't always buy into that because sport doesn't work like that. Just because you did that last season, I'm going to say you're going to do it this season. So um, we've got to put the work in and get the win. And we desperately need a win to lift confidence. Yeah, we spoke to Paul Rowlett, Ken Seal, Danny Addy, um, Chris Atkin and Jack Armouride after the game is what they had to say. So we're joined by Paul Rowlett, defeat today, talk us through it. Yeah, um, lack of discipline, um, lack of mental toughness at certain times, this probably reflects where we're at at the minute, um, so you know, we know what we need to address and if we don't address it then you know, it becomes... You know, you can become a valiant loser, it becomes an habit, so uh, um, we're, we're an honest group, we keep working hard and, and, and harder, uh, so I know that I see the effort that the boys put in week in, week out, and, uh, and so yeah, that, that's the task, isn't it? So yeah, you know, you have to embrace the task or you, you, you get frightened of it, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see which way we turn. It's been frustrating, obviously, sort of 12 points up at one point in that game, but Lita sort of catches up again. As a coach, how, does that, how do you make you feel that? <laughs> yeah, disappointing Sims as it does the, the, the sports as well. Frustrated, disappointed because you're the master of your own destiny there. We should have shut that game 100%. So, uh, but, you know, you, again, if you have poor discipline, you allow them in territory. We are a team that are in tremendous form. They're a team that don't go away. And they're a team that come alive when they're attacking your line. So, dis poor discipline, whether that be in the form of a straight cut penalty or um, just, you know, taking a shortcut, not working hard enough at market, whatever that may look like, it's still poor discipline. So, uh, yeah, that's the mental toughness that winning sides need. Yeah, we're on a run of sort of defeats at the moment. How do you, how do you change that as a coach? Is it, like you say, is it sticking together or is it bringing new things in or what? No, always sticking together. And you don't, you don't stick, the task is, is the same, the, the mindset is the same, but um, it's like I said before, it's... Uh, it's <laughs> improve your discipline and in tough moments make the right decisions and their choices uh, as players as, as, as staff we all have choices we're, uh, the players make a lot of choices out there on the pitch uh, and so make the right choices and sometimes they're uncomfortable ones but do it yeah a week off this week mm. no game opportunity to rest a few bodies maybe oh yeah absolutely uh, we'll, we'll have a break this week yeah it's uh, you know it's not uh, we won't get them in tomorrow and, and flogging them with you know ten lashings and 35 yeah. laps around the field. The, the boys need a rest. That they've been, you know, there's some tired bodies here. Do you take the opportunity to like look at the season so far and, and sort of plan for the next few sort of weeks about sort of targets things like? No, nah, just plan for next game. Take it as a week as a week at a time and. Um, because yeah, you start concentrating on too many things, then there's, there's one job we've got at the minute, and that's Catalan away. Brilliant. Cheers, Paul. Unlucky today, and thanks for talking to us. We're joined by Ken Seal today, the defeat today. Talk us through it. Yeah, it's a tough one to take. Um, Derby round, wasn't it? So, yeah, um, just yeah, it's just one of them games that we needed to be better at. Can you put your finger on what's going wrong the last few weeks? Obviously, we're on a bit of a run of defeats at the moment. Um, we're not being really outplayed, really. We just like to say, it's little things in it that make a difference. 
Yeah, yeah, it is uh, big time. So uh, I think we just need to just go back to the drawing board, and um, I'm sure the coaches will will come back to us and uh, figure out what we have to do. Yeah, try for yourself today again. Found some farms, scoring some tries. Good to see. Yeah, I'm just doing my part for the team. You know, um, at the minute we're doing that tough at the minute, so wherever I can help out, I'll help out. So yeah, just doing my best. Yeah. Um, week off this week, opportunity to rest the body, ready for the second half of the season. Yeah, big time. So I uh, can't wait. So yeah. Um, out of the six now, unfortunately, but good enough games to turn it around. Yeah, big time. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back um, and do well. So see how we go. And, um, Brilliant. Cheers, again. Thanks for talking to us today. Okay. I'm joined by Danny Addy. Defeat today. Talk us through it. Uh, yeah, where do we start? Tough one to take. Um, our own fault. We believe that we're out, you know we didn't play too great, and it was a close game. Um, but yeah, we want to be coming out on, on the right end of them. Yeah, it must be frustrating. Obviously, 12 points up at one point. Lee found the way back in. As I feel as a player, obviously, because obviously you must have plans throughout the week, but unfortunately, just couldn't finish the game off. Yeah, that's it. Um, just need to, like you say, when, when we're in front, we need to learn control the game better. You know, discipline was a big part of our. You know, uh, downfall today, we let too many penalties in and give them good field position and, um, you know, then managed to score some points on back of it. Yeah, dropped out the six now, unfortunately, but obviously a week off this week, opportunity to rest up and go again, second half of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we'd have liked to have been playing this week, but we're, we're out of cup, so can sort of recharge batteries and go again. Um, and yeah, we've dropped out at, out at six, but you know it, it is close. We just need to get some momentum going back, back in our favour, and um, come up with some wins. Here. What was the change room like after the game? Disappointed? Yeah, everybody's disappointed. Yeah, we don't like losing. We've lost a few bounds now, and um, yeah, we're all down. We're, you know, it, it, we don't like losing. But, you know, it hurts when you lose. So we'll bounce back. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us, Danny, and good luck today. So I'm joined by Andy Acker's defeat today. Talk us through it. Uh, just ourselves, really. Ourselves. Um, we were poor on discipline. Um, that was it, really. Just really poor on discipline. We, we give them the win. I think it was 22 points to 10 up at one point. And I think to, to lose a game in that margin, you've got to, you've got to be really poor, and that's what we was today. Must be frustrating, obviously, like you say, being sort of, sort of 12 points up at one point. Um, but Lee are a good team in, in the Challenge League semi-final. But is it a game you think we threw away? Well, you could say that, yeah, they're a good team and stuff, but every team is good as they are on, on the day, and I think we was the better team at some points, but I just think we handed them that win today. How do we turn this round? Just by sticking together and cut out the cut, get better with the discipline, cut out the silly errors, silly penalties. If you think about it, every penalty that we give away, we give it away on the fourth tackle, so if you do the maths, then we're doing two sets each, each, each set, do you know what I mean? So if that makes sense. So we've just got to just cut, just cut out the silly errors and be better with discipline. Nice try for yourself today. Uh, vintage Jackers diving over by the line. Yeah, yeah, it's been coming. Um, obviously, I've missed a lot, of, a lot of games. I've missed six games, I think. So I'm just easing the way back in now. But um, I've been doing everything I can for to make sure we get that win against Catalan. Yeah, a week off this week, opportunity to rest the body. No, be yourself because you had, you've been resting about six weeks. No rest for the wicked for me. I'll be still training at Oyster and try to get better. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us. Unlucky today.
I'd like to say Chris Atkins has made you filled in today at loose forward. Big stint against the big pack. Another tough defeat though, Chris. What, where did it go wrong that game? Not too, not too sure to be honest. Um, obviously, we were in a in a good position, um, probably midway through that second half, and um, probably just our own our own downfall, our own mistakes, our own choices. Um, you know, give them a chance to come back into the game, and we kind of spoke about that we lost that game, not that they won it. Yeah, frustrating again. What did Paul Rowe to say today in the game? You know, on the back of another tough sort of penalty count, few decisions again that went against you. It must be frustrating that. You know, you're putting a lot of work into games, and like last week against Leeds, not getting a reward. But yeah, we're, we're you know we're doing it, we're doing it tough at times, but we're making it tough for ourselves. It's a quality game. You know, we're a good side, and they're going into a semi-final next week full of confidence now. And um, we've got to get back to probably the way we were last year and, and be, a, be a better team but you know, at the end of the day they're a good side and probably deserve the win in the end. Is it a worry about the top six at the moment? You've sort of dropped out of that, you've got some tough games coming up against Catalan, St. Helens. Do you guys worry about that or is it just a case of getting that win and, and getting back on the horse? Uh, probably not look too much at the table. We're you know, really focused on our performances and week to week and that's not been good enough. And, if you wanted to look at the table, then that form and that day, the way we're playing isn't good enough for the top six. So that's why we we know we're a lot better than what we are, but we're not doing it well enough and consistently enough. So to be in that top six, that's what we need to do. Did you enjoy playing at forward today? Yeah, enjoyed it, and obviously it's it's better probably having Ollie back in the team. He's back for next week, obviously after the week off. But um, and I'll go back maybe into a different role. But I'm you know, trying my best each week and. and yeah, it's, it's a try and enjoy what I'm going to play. How do you spend next week now, you know, with the Cup semi-finals, will you get a bit of time off, or is it will be plenty of training before Catalan? Catalan's going to be a tough game, isn't it, going over there, especially in the heat, it's about 40 degrees over there at the moment. Yeah, it's really, really hot, and they're maybe a little bit more used to it than us, but um, maybe a few days off for the lads, but there's going to be, I think, a lot of training that um, that the lads are going to be doing away from, you know, they just have a little break, but, you know, we're really focused on a big push at the back end of the season. Um, you know, to make sure we are in the playoffs. It's not impossible to win over there. Huddersfield won there last week. You guys will be going over there to get that win, won't you? Yeah, we, we, each week we take each as it comes. You know, this game's sort of gone now and there's nothing we can change like that. So we need to review that, improve and, and go over to Catalan in two weeks' time with probably a different mindset, a different attitude and just, you know, try and change our form around. Thanks for always speaking to us, mate. Cheers, See you thank soon, buddy. Jack Armourad joins me. Another, another tough day, another tough defeat. Yeah, what do you make of that one? Is it one that got away? Should you have won that? Is it frustrating for you? It is, yeah. Similar to last week, I think. I think that's another one that got away. Um, I think disappointed cost us again. I think we've done enough to win the game there, really. Um, and we sort of gave, gave them it towards the end, so discipline's a, a big one there. On the end of another penalty count again, effectively it's a penalty that goal that's crashing the game as it did last week. I mean, you put an awful lot into that game. In my opinion, I think you're the better side again as you were last week. What did Paul Rolly say to you at the end of the game? <laughs> Keep it clean though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's sort of said he can come in and say that the effort's good, the effort's there every week, but it's, it's not getting us the points at the minute, so the discipline's letting us down. So. That's, I think we need to improve matchless against good going to France in a couple of weeks. I think that's something we really need to improve on. If, if we like that there, I think we'll get a few points on us. Are you starting to panic a bit now? You know, when you start losing matches, does it become a bit, you know, where you, you're sort of worried as you're going into the game and yeah. the game starts drifting away from you? You know, when you're losing games on the spin, it becomes a bit of a like spiral, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we start panicking. I think that's the wrong word. I think sort of 
looking at the table a little bit. Um, but if you look at all you have to do is look at last year. We, we saw Kemba at the back end last year. I think we've, we've, still, we've definitely got that in us. So if we can do that over the next few weeks and keep on a little bit and clicks into place a little bit, I think we'll be all right. You're doing it tough at the moment. How are you feeling? Are you carrying any bits of injury or anything? Are you fully fit? Because no, there's a lot of players missing at the moment. Yeah. You've, got play, you've got to do it tough, haven't you? At the yeah. moment, it's tough. Yeah, can't, we can't make excuses though. We've got a, we've got a 17 out on that pitch every week, so it's, we can't make excuses. We've, uh, we've just got the, the lads that are on the pitch. We've got to do the job. And, Unfortunately, the last couple of weeks we haven't managed to do it. Yeah, you've got a bit of time off now. Catalan's away. It's about 40, 50 degrees over there yeah, in yeah. France. And that's going to be tough over there. But you did last season, didn't you? You went there and turned yeah, them yeah. over. Yeah, well, like I said, it was similar last, last year. We read up and we played last year. Um, so we're sure that we can do it. Um, I think knuckle down and train the next couple of weeks. Um, work hard and hopefully we can manage to get the win. We beat them once or we beat them all this year. Um, so hope we can do it again. Sometimes it's just that one win that's the catalyst to get you back going again. I think that's what you need, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you get one more win, I think the wins will start coming again. Um, like I say we've been close, the effort's there, but there's just little things that we need to fix up, so hopefully we can do that. Thanks for having speak to us, mate. All the best, pal. So, obviously all the boys sort of hurt by the defeat, trying to get their heads around what went wrong, Paul. I, and I spoke to Paul Rowley, and he mentioned to, uh, mental toughness and questioned whether our players uh, are where they need to be. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, when things are going great and everything's rosy, you're winning matches, it's it's good, everything's good. You don't seem to pick up injuries, everybody seems to be fit, holding their hands up and wants to play. And then all of a sudden, you start getting injuries, you've got a bad run. I mean, our last victory was Castleford away, wasn't it? We won there 42 10. I thought it was great that night. We absolutely blew Castleford away and everything in the garden was rosy, you know, the lager was cool, we was on a great run, we were still in the cup. And, um, you know, you know, everything's great it's all beer and skittles then you lose the cup game and then you lose a few league games you start picking injuries up and you start thinking are we going to make this top six you know speak to the, some of the players now their confidence seems to be dropping I spoke, I spoke to, to Jack and, and Chris and yeah they were both you know articulate about what they said but you can see the disappointment in their eyes that they know the pressure's on now they, don't, they probably won't say that but it is you know you're losing games you need to win otherwise you're going to finish down at the bottom of the table because the, the teams below us are all sort of winning now and, and, and chomping at our heels really you look at Hull and Leeds Hulkingston Rovers have overtook us so you know there's a danger of that that slipping away now that top six yeah let's look at the other uh, results in the Super League this week Set Ellen's lost to Catalan uh, 12-14 that was a big result for Catalan Dragons it certainly was. I, I, I was out on Thursday night at my daughter's school concert. And we just got back in time for the last five minutes, so I flicked the telly on and, and watched that. And uh, I know Saints went for like a power play at the end at the last last sort of uh, kick of the game. You know, move the ball out wide, last sort of play. And I said to my daughter, I said, if that was all for now, they score there, and they didn't. They threw the ball into the stand. So you know, Catalans, you're fortunate to get the win, but they've got that steel and that determination of Catalans Dragons and that was an excellent win for them, that on the road at St. Helens. The St. Helens side who've been playing really well on good form, so Catalans, I think they've proved that they're the real deal and, you know, they're a real challenger for the title this season. Yeah, Huddersfield uh, beat Wakefield 36-6, Ian Watson, finding some form and finding some wins. Yeah, 2-1 from the spin for Huddersfield. I think that was a big game for Wakefield. You know, they've been on a good run. They've had a couple of wins. They beat Leeds, Salford and, and Wigan. Just starting to catch Castleford up and right behind them. And they took a big following there, I believe. One of the biggest followings they've had for years away to Huddersfield. And they got they got well beat, didn't they? And that'll be disappointing. And you look at Wakefield now and you're a player for them. You're probably thinking, how are we going to get out of this? You know, there's still plenty of games left to play, but they are 
in the soup at the moment, aren't they? And um, that was a that was a big defeat for them. That yeah, uh, Leeds uh, well lost to Hull KR last uh, golden point drop goal by them. Saw them over line. Yeah, on Friday night. Yeah, I, I caught a bit of that game on the radio, and uh, it did sound a good one. That, but a good win for Kingston Rovers. They they'd sort of dropped off after they beat us in the semi final. They'd lost a couple of games and dropped out of the top six. But that win took them above Salford back into the top six. So uh, they've got a massive game against Wigan in the Challenge Cup semi finals this week coming up. So you know they could have had an eye on that. But that's a great win to go to Leeds and an informed Leeds team as well who were on a good little run themselves. So you know it's hotting up. Teams are beating each other, aren't they, in around the top six. Yeah, Wigan beat Warrington 26-12. Daryl Powell uh, were sort of leading the Warrington Wolves into possible championship material. Now we've lost a few on the spin and found it tough. Yeah, well, they dropped right down. I think they're only two points in front of Salford now. So they've dropped right down, I think, to like fifth in the table. And I think they've lost four or five on the trot now. So so there's a danger. They they could slip out of that top six if they're not careful. So, um, you know, I think they've got a few injuries as well. You know, George Williams didn't play, did he? Seems to be a bit of despondency in the camp there at Warrington. And, you know, it's a shame for them, really, because it looked like the real deal this season, didn't they? You know, they've won the first eight or nine games, top of the table, and probably getting a bit excited. And, you know, they get, the, the league's not won, though. In sort of April and May, is it? There's a long way to go. It's a long season, and uh, you know they've still got the quality there, though. Too, um, I think they've got a few injuries at the moment. Warrington, no Matty Ashton at weekend as well, so they've got players to come back, and they've got enough quality in that squad to make the top six. But it's how they go on in the playoffs. Yeah, Hull beat Castle for 36-18. Obviously, Hull started the season very slow, but Tony Smith has got him firing. Uh, Castleford still towards the bottom of the league, scratching around, hoping that Wakefield don't pick up a few wins. Yeah, it looks like a bit of a shootout between Wakefield and Casper relegation now, doesn't it? You know, Huddersfield have had a couple of wins, so they've pulled away a bit. Still a long way to go, but you'd probably say it's between those two. Um, Casper can't really buy a win at the moment. They've been pretty poor this season, haven't they? And got a lot of ageing players, I think, in that side. Another team that's been hit by injuries as well. Um, yeah, uh, Paul. I think they've done really well recently. Since they got the two halfbacks fit, you know, Clifford and Truman, they've really formed a really good partnership there and the rest of the team's just sort of fed off that. So uh, they're a dark horse for, well, not a dark horse for the players. I think they're right in there now. They're right behind Salford, aren't they? So, you know, a couple more weeks, they could be in there. So that's why it's important that Salford get some victories just to, just to you know, consolidate and get ourselves back into that top six because Hull are a decent side. They're tough to beat in, on Humberside there. So, uh, so they're going to be a tough nut to crack for a lot of teams this season yeah let's talk about Swinton Lions they were in action against London went down to defeat six points to 12 at home uh, Haywood Road obviously not the result they want after a few good weeks no and London have been um, have been a funny side recently they've been sort of up and down I know they had a good result against is it Toulouse I think they beat a few weeks ago so they, they've been a surprise package really London they, they struggled at the start of the season but they're now starting to pick wins up I think they're in the 1895 Cup semi-final next week as well I think they play Batley and that's that's a big game for them but you would have expected Swinton I think the way they've been playing to get a result today they had a few um, a few good wins uh, so far this season so I'd say London at home was probably a game they were looking at getting two points from so they'd be disappointed to have been, been beaten in that game hmm. Salford, Salford Red Devils ladies were in action this week. They beat Castleford 22-10 uh, in the Salford City Stadium in the, as a curtain warmer for the Salford v Lee contest. Good result for Chris Bates ladies up to, I think it's fourth in the league now. So uh, two point, three points behind the leaders. Lee, uh, you know, with a few games to go, could reel them in. 
Yeah, that's right, and and it was a, a big win as well. It's a win that they've they've needed, isn't it? You know, they've lost a few on the balance. Confidence is low. They've been doing it tough, so I think it was great for them to get that result after all the effort they put in in recent weeks. And it was a good, solid win as well, wasn't it? As a curtain raiser to the the Salford League game, big crowd as well at the weekend. Fantastic atmosphere, loads going on around the stadium. I think everyone enjoyed watching that game. Yeah, and obviously big attenders as well this week at the Salford City Stadium, which is impressive. Yeah, it was almost 7,000 there, and that, that's great. I mean, the last three home games against Wigan, Leeds and, uh, and and Lee have all, you know, come up with big crowds and, and people have enjoyed it. I know the next home games against St. Helens, they've got loads of ex-players coming down for the 150th year celebration, so that's going to be a great day as well. And I think you can be looking at another 7,000 for that game, so that's really boosted the average crowd for the season. And, you know, it's it's been good. It's been a shame that they've lost the last three matches, um, but the the occasions have been really good. The matches have been pretty close as well, and I'm sure people will come back to the remaining fixtures this season. Yeah, ninety seconds to go. Paul Challenge Cup this weekend semi final. Set Ellens v Lee, Wigan v Hookia. Um, what do you think of them two games? I hope Lee win. I'd really like Lee to win because they've not been to the Challenge Cup final for fifty two years. Uh, yes, nineteen seventy one. So I'd like them to get there for their supporters. I think that'd be great. Um, yeah, I don't know about Wigan. Wigan and Wigan and Lee would be a good final, wouldn't it? But you know, Ulcar and Lee, I think that'd be a bit of a fairy tale one. Two sides that were were very good in the early eighties there, so uh, that that'd be good for them two to get there. So I'm looking forward to watching them both. Mm. Fifty seconds to go, Paul. Set Ellens v Wigan uh, are the big teams in this uh, draw. Lee and Ulcar in the other side. Would a Lee and Ulcar final be better for the sport than Set Ellens? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, def- I think so. I think we've all seen plenty of Wigan and Saints games over the years, haven't we? Let's get some new teams there. Let's get some new fans who've not been to Wembley for a long time enjoying themselves. And uh, yeah, let's let, let's really en- enjoy a different sort of cup final. I think it'd be good for the sport. Yeah, it would be good for the sport and we're all hoping that's what happens. So big thanks for joining us on the Sport Zone on Solver City Radio. You can find us on Solver City Radio on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday talking all things sport in Salford. Big thanks and we'll see you soon for more Salford Sporting Chat. 